Welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Justin Lee Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. Sexual difficulties are common. In a recent nationally representative survey of 2,000 Americans that I conducted, I found that a majority of adults, 53%, reported experiencing at least one sexual difficulty in the last year. And the most common difficulties across gender revolved around lack of sexual interest and having a different level of sexual desire from one's partner. Low sexual desire is something that has been notoriously difficult to treat pharmacologically. A lot of people would love it if there was a pill you could take that would just instantly create desire. But the search for such a cure has been elusive, and that's because desire is very complex. When you start thinking about all of the various factors that can impact desire, such as stress, overwhelm, exhaustion, and more, it becomes easy to see how making a pill that can counteract all of these things at once is a pretty tall order. So we need to look elsewhere for answers. And one research-backed solution that has a lot of demonstrated success in both increasing sexual desire and dealing with other sexual difficulties is changing your headspace through mindfulness practices. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to discuss what mindfulness is, how it works, who it's for, and practical tips for incorporating it into your sex life. I am joined by Dr. Lori Brado, a professor at the University of British Columbia, a practicing psychologist, and author of the books, Better Sex Through Mindfulness, and the all-new Better Sex Through Mindfulness workbook. This is going to be an amazing and very practical conversation. Stick around, and we're going to jump in right after the break. Don't know what to get your partner this holiday season? Give the gift of pleasure. Material objects are temporary, but sexual happiness is a gift that can keep giving all year long. That's why I recommend checking out Beducated, a revolutionary form of online sex education. They have an extensive library of courses that you can take at your own pace in the comfort of your own home, designed to help you level up your sex life, enhance intimacy, awaken pleasure, and connect on a new level. You can try all of their courses today for free, and if you like what you see, you can get 40% off the yearly pass by using my last name, Laymiller, as the coupon code. You can also give your partner a personalized Beducated gift card. Check the show notes for the link or visit Beducated.com and be sure to use my last name to get your discount. Get fit and stay firm with FirmTech. Their performance ring is designed to boost your sexual stamina and give you harder, longer-lasting erections while also enhancing pleasure for both the wearer and their partner. Their tech ring has the added benefit of tracking your erectile health when synced with FirmTech's free mobile app, which monitors changes in erection duration, hardness, and more. Take control of your sexual health while increasing sexual performance and satisfaction at the same time. To learn more, check the show notes or visit myfirmtech.com and be sure to use my exclusive discount code, Justin20, to save 20% off your purchase. Again, that's myfirmtech.com. Hi, Lori, and welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. Hi, Justin. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining me once again. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. And it's been a long time since you've been on the show. You were actually one of my very first guests all the way back in episode four. And there have been about 150 episodes in between at this point. So you were overdue for a return. 
Well, looking forward to catching up. Yes, there's a few things we can catch up on for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So let's talk about mindfulness. We discussed your book, Better Sex Through Mindfulness, the last time you were on the show. And now you have this brand new companion workbook that just came out. Now, before we get into the details of that, let's step back and define mindfulness just so that any listeners who might not be familiar with the concept know what we're talking about. So what do you mean when you say the word mindfulness? Yeah, that's a great place to start. So most people are familiar with meditation, and meditation has long uh, historic roots in Buddhist practice, probably going back three to 4,000 years. And by mindfulness, we're really talking about a secular version of that, which means it's not a religious practice. You need not sit in lotus pose on the ground in order to practice mindfulness. And it's something that we can integrate in our everyday lives. Again, regardless of your religious or non-religious affiliation. So it really boils down to present moment, non-judgmental awareness. And so the two really key parts of mindfulness, half of it being paying attention on purpose, and the other half, which arguably is probably the more challenging part than paying attention, and that is how we pay attention. And we do so non-judgmentally and with lots of compassion. Thank you for sharing that. So your new workbook opens up with a quote from your original book, which reads, based on my own observation of mindfulness, I would argue that satisfying sex is quite simply not possible without mindfulness. And then you go on to say that four years later, you're even more convinced that this is true. So why is that? How does mindfulness lead to more satisfying sex? And why are you so convinced of the benefits? (laughs) Yeah, thankfully, in the last four years, we've continued to do the research on how does mindfulness work to improve different aspects of sexual response and sexual satisfaction, looking not only in women, but also in gender diverse people. Increasingly, we are very intentional about it recruiting gender diverse and trans individuals in our groups. And also, we've done a handful of studies in men to look at can these same benefits that we see in women and other groups also be found in specific subsamples of men. And so the data are pretty compelling, and it's not just data emerging from our research team at the University of British Columbia, but a number of other researchers around the world have been very keen to study the benefits of mindfulness in their own populations. And the story is pretty consistent. We see consistent improvements in desire and arousal and feeling sexually satisfied in reducing sexual distress, in feeling more present during sex, and that these findings are lasting. So a number of our studies, we've continued to follow our group participants for a year out. And the vast majority not only will say that they're continuing to practice these skills, but there has been no loss of improvements to their sexual function and sexual satisfaction a year later. And in fact, Some of our research suggests that they continue to improve a year later. So because one of the hats I wear is as a researcher, the data are fairly compelling that, yeah, this is probably something that could be quite useful to improving many different aspects of sex. And it seems like you anticipated my next question because I was going to ask, you know, the subtitle of your first book was How Women Can Cultivate Desire. And so, you know, that raises the question of 
who is mindfulness for and can it work for treating other sexual difficulties and it sounds like it can work for anyone regardless of gender or sexuality and it can do so much more than just help to increase desire but it can also help to maintain arousal maybe even facilitate orgasm so it sounds like it has a broad range of benefits and it's also really promising that if people are learning how to do this and they're sticking with it long term that's a good thing because it tends to be really hard to get people to stick with new programs and treatment plans for dealing with sexual difficulties. So I think that that speaks to the power of it. And also, I guess, just the way that it might change your mindset so that it's easier to just go back to that each time you have sex in the future. Yeah, all of that is true. And in addition to these improvements in their sex life that people are reporting, they're also seeing improvements in other facets of their life, which is probably not surprising. So they'll say, you know, I'm more present during my conversations. I'm more mindful when I eat. I have a tool that helps me manage stress when I'm about to go into a really stressful encounter. And I think that's also contributing to why people will stick to this program because you're absolutely right. Behavior change is really hard. And even Sticking with behavior change is really, really hard. I mean, we can see with New Year's resolutions, the fact that 90% of people have given up those behavior changes with regards to diet and exercise by, you know, March 1st. But mindfulness really is about a, a way of being. It's not an exercise or a skill that you dabble in for a short period of time. And because it is a way of being, once we actually get the hang of what it means to be present and re-engage the mind once it is consumed by another thought, it is something that we can start to incorporate in a much more natural way. And that makes total sense based on the way your workbook is laid out because you aim to teach people these skills in daily life first before they incorporate that over into sex. So if it's this broader shift in your mindset that you carry with you throughout the day, throughout the week, then I think that makes it easier to maintain the benefits of that long term. And since you brought up the subject of mindful eating, let's talk about that. So you talk about this in the first chapter of your book, which is titled, How a Raisin Can Be All You Need for Mindful Sex. So can you tell us what you mean by mindful eating and how slowing down and paying attention to the sensations we experience while we're eating can actually help us to see how this practice is relevant to our sexuality? Yeah, it's a pretty provocative title, isn't it? A, a raisin is all you need for mindful sex. And there's nothing magical in raisins, but we've been using a raisin as a way to introduce people to mindfulness in our groups now for many, many years. And so over the course of about 10 minutes, we'll invite them to look at the raisin sitting on their hand, notice the colors, notice the shape, notice the weight of it, lift it to the ear. Does it make any sounds? smell it when you move it to the nostril, the other nostril, place it against the lips, at which point people immediately notice salivation, which is a great example of mind-body connection as a person is anticipating putting the raisin in their mouth. Then we invite them to put the raisin in their mouth and just let it sit there. And again, they notice this flood of salivation that happens and then very slowly chew the raisin over the course of, you know, a couple of minutes before they swallow. And so at each stage of guiding them through this mindful eating, we're really engaging all of their senses. When we ask them afterwards, what did you notice during this exercise? So there's three, three questions that we ask always after the conclusion of any mindfulness exercise. And when we ask them the first question, what did you notice? 
they'll say things like, wow, I had no idea that a raisin was a mix of brown and purple and shades of green and that, you know, it had so many contours and that the light back scattered off of it in these really kind of vivid ways. They'll describe these really vivid sensorial experiences in those 10 minutes. And then we ask them the second question, which is how was eating the raisin in the way that we just did, different from how you normally eat raisins. And inevitably they'll say, I've never eaten a single raisin over 10 minutes. (laughs) I usually grab a handful and swallow without chewing. So this was really quite different for them to intentionally slow down and pay attention. And then the third question that we ask is, how was this exercise of mindfully eating the raisin relevant to your sex life? And that's where the really the richness of their responses comes in. And they'll say, if I can pay this much attention to a raisin, imagine if I paid a fraction of that amount of attention to my sensations that emerge during sex. Imagine how much more engaged I would be during sex or how much more I would notice during sex. So it's a really powerful exercise for introducing them to number one, we can pay attention. And even when the mind takes off, we can guide it back. And secondly, they decide on their own how these skills of present moment non-judgmental awareness are relevant to their own sex life. So we never actually tell them, hey, here's how mindfulness works and isn't mindfulness great and everyone should practice mindfulness. Instead, we do the mindfulness exercises and then we guide participants or patients or clients on their own to see how that might be useful for their sex life. I love that. And it's so provocative. And I guess I should also mention, and I hope you would agree, that if you don't like raisins, you can do this with pretty much any food you want. (laughs) So it's just a great exercise, great tool technique for kind of opening your mind to the way that this could actually work. And I think so much of us just go through everyday life, whether it's eating or walking down the street, exercising or having sex or whatever, where we're just in our heads. We're not really there in the moment. We're not paying attention to those sensations, the richness of all of these everyday experiences. And you can see how if you really apply this skill just throughout your daily life, everything could be experienced more intensely. Now, mindfulness practices are something that some people seem to have an easier time mastering than others. So for example, some people struggle a lot more with acknowledging a thought and letting it go, especially when that thought is about something that is, say, a potent insecurity, such as concerns about your appearance or your body or your genitals. So for people who might have a harder time with this idea, with this concept, do you have any tips you can recommend for making this more doable? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. It's actually a question that we've examined in our research as well. Essentially, you know, is it only those people who regularly practice yoga and who already have this skill of practicing engaging the mind who can practice mindful sex and benefit from it? And the answer, thankfully, is no, (laughs) that we've found it to be as effective for complete mindfulness novices as it was for people who've had long-standing meditation practices. That said, there's definitely some tips that I would recommend for someone who is brand new, and that is to start small. So start with a three-minute breathing space every day. The three-minute breathing space is a really popular mindfulness practice that can be easily found on YouTube. I also have a copy of it on my website. 
And it's about taking three minutes every day to, number one, come to the present, number two, focus on the breath sensations, and then number three, take that awareness and generalize it out to the body. The research has also, not our research, but other research has asked the question, is it really important to do, you know, a 30-minute, 40-minute, 50-minute meditation every single day in order to glean the benefits? Or can these shorter mindfulness practices be just as effective for changing the brain? And the answer, thankfully, is yes, that 10 minutes every single day can be sufficient to see some of these changes in the brain, not just the structure of the brain, but how the brain functions in the moment to allow a person to benefit from mindfulness. So start small. There's some really good apps that are available that deliver these short bite-sized mindfulness exercises. But again, you can find a lot of these totally for free on YouTube also. Yep. Now, something you talk about in the workbook is sexual fantasy and how you can use fantasy in combination with mindfulness to elicit arousal. Now, as a fantasy researcher myself, I was particularly drawn to this, and not just because you name dropped me in the book, but can you tell us a little bit more about how fantasy and mindfulness can work together? Because I imagine some people might see these things as competing processes of either getting lost in a thought completely or acknowledging the thought and letting it go. So how do we use fantasy and mindfulness in combination? Yeah, great question. And I mean, I I love your work and tell me what you want, Justin, because number one, it gives people a lot of permission to engage with fantasy and also presents the huge range of fantasy that can be really important and also really exciting for people for engaging the mind. And as you mentioned earlier, people are really distracted and often they're distracted during sex. So the body might be engaging in sex and the mind is, you know, doing taxes, reviewing their shopping list, planning for their meeting, and the mind is really not engaged. So over the years, we've developed this exercise that pairs mindfulness with fantasy. And we've done this in our groups, in our eight-session groups, and we've also evaluated just this one exercise on its own. So we've brought people into the lab, have them do this one exercise, and then measure what happens in terms of their arousal and desire afterwards. So what we do is we invite the person to engage in a sexual fantasy first. So maybe for about 10 minutes, they bring up a very vivid fantasy. We also encourage people, if they can't think of their own sexual fantasy, to maybe read a fantasy or listen to a fantasy to really tune in the mind to that kind of vivid sexual scenario. Then, after about 10 minutes, we present them with a pre-recorded mindfulness exercise that really guides them to tune into the heightened arousal that's happened in their body and in their mind as a result of the fantasy. And then we ask them afterwards, what was that like? And we've compared it to just doing the mindfulness practice without the fantasy as well. So what we've found is that this bringing together of first heightening the mind to this kind of sexual scene through fantasy and then pairing it with mindfulness significantly increases not just their kind of mental or psychological arousal, but their physical arousal as well. And we've measured it in the lab as well. You sort of see this 
potentiated impact on their physiological sexual arousal when you pair these things. So if you extrapolate from this research finding and you think about how might a person use this in in their sex life, well, maybe they engage in a fantasy before they start engaging in sexual activity. Then they start to have sex alone or with a partner, and then they bring in those mindfulness skills to really tune in to the sensations that have arisen. So it's been a really useful exercise and a really fun kind of bridging together of fantasy work with mindfulness. As you were talking about this, I couldn't help but think about how that could be this really useful thing that maybe you try before partnered sex if you're somebody who has a hard time cultivating desire or just kind of like getting in the moment or getting in the mood. Because a lot of people think that sex is this thing where, you know, it just happens. Like your partner initiates or you initiate and it's just like, boom, you're ready to go. Your body's ready to go. But if you take that little bit of time first, you know, what you describe something that takes like 10 or 20 minutes, maybe, you know, that's not a huge time commitment. And if it can make the sex that much better, increase your body's arousal state, make everything feel ready to go when you want to start sex, that could be a really useful prelude, I guess, to partnered sexual activity, if you will. Yeah, totally agree. And just as an aside, I've recommended this in my clinical practice because I do see clients also with sexual concerns and and it really does work. So it's one of those examples of, thankfully, the science transforms into actual real life and works in the same way. And something else that might be helpful as a bridge between practicing mindfulness while you're eating and in other aspects of daily life and before you incorporate it into partnered sex is try mindfulness practices during solo masturbation, right? So that can also be a way that you can sort of start to understand how to open your mind to this and tune into those sensations just on your own before you bring a partner into the mix. It's so important because for a lot of people, some of their negative judgments and just negative thought patterns in general arise only during partnered sex. They might So they might be totally fine and sexually happy on their own during masturbation, but then as soon as they're with the partner, they start worrying about, will I reach orgasm? How am I going to sound? How do I appear? Will they touch a part of my body that I don't like? So easing into mindful sex with a partner by first practicing mindful sex on your own, again, just equips them with the skills that they can then use in that dyadic situation. Absolutely. Now, toward the end of your workbook, you talk about couples-based mindfulness exercises so that you and your partner can both tap into the benefits. And, you know, as we're talking about mindfulness, you know, this is something that maybe it would be beneficial for all the partners in a relationship to kind of learn to cultivate the skill. And I think especially during this very stressful time we've all been living in for the last couple of years, you know, having all of the partners, you know, working on how to be more involved and attuned in that moment could be really useful. So can you give us an example of a technique that partners could use together to practice mindfulness? Yeah. And I will take no credit because this is a practice that was developed by Masters and Johnson in the in the 60s. And it's a really popular and really powerful exercise called Sensate Focus that involves having one member of the couple touch the other member of the couple head to toe, starting with the less erogenous zones. So typically not touching the chest, not touching the genitals at first. 
And then the receiver of the touch is essentially practicing mindfulness. They're tuning in, they're noticing the sensations, they're trying to relax, they're trying to let go of distracting thoughts. And the goal is about being very present in those sensations. So it's not a sexual exercise per se, and that, you know, the person doing the touching isn't trying to elicit arousal or trying to get the other person to orgasm. They're really just administering touch so that the other person can really tune into it. And then after 15 minutes, the two of them swap roles. So the giver of the touch now becomes a receiver, receiver becomes the giver, and they engage in the same kind of touching head to toe, starting out in the non-erogenous zones. They might practice that a few more times, and then they might build towards incorporating chest and breast and genital touch, again, with the same goals, the goal of paying attention and being present. Inevitably, what happens with couples who practice this, and it doesn't matter kind of how sexually satisfied or or how many sexual problems they have, they all learn something from this exercise. They learn that sensations can be so much more intense and vivid when you just pay attention. They learn that there are certain kinds of touch that they didn't know would feel good for the other person. And then the person receiving the touch will say that they, first of all, notice how often the mind takes off and goes to these distracted places, and they practice that skill of bringing the mind back. So those are the first two stages of sensate focus and then with practice and typically with under the guidance of a skilled sex therapist, they might then bring these skills into progressively more sexual encounters where they might be actually engaging in sex and practicing some of these mindfulness skills. But it's an exercise I love that's been around for decades and decades and is definitely a tool that most sex therapists have in in their tool belt and that couples benefit from. Yeah, and it is a tried and true method, right? Masters and Johnson reported very high rates of success with sensate focus exercises and found that oftentimes that alone was enough to solve a lot of sexual difficulties that couples had because so many sexual problems arise because partners just kind of stop touching each other. They lose some intimacy in their relationship. And so this is a great way of bringing that back, learning to be more in the moment, discovering those new erogenous zones that maybe you didn't even know you had before. So it can be a very useful tool that you can apply on your own or under the guidance or direction of a sex therapist. Now, I have one more question for you about mindfulness. So I think a lot of people tend to think about sex therapy and you know these sexual difficulty treatments as an either-or thing. Like you're either going to take a pill such as Viagra to help with erections or you're going to practice mindfulness instead. But there can be a lot of value to combining treatment approaches, right? So can you tell us a little bit about how mindfulness can potentially augment other therapeutic approaches? Yeah, it's a great question. And I write about this in one of the last chapters in my book where I talk about, you know, let's take the case of the little blue pill, sildenafil citrate, which is commonly used for erectile dysfunction. And although we don't have any research at all that has paired the use of a drug treatment to address sexual dysfunction with mindfulness, theoretically, it actually makes a lot of sense. Because even in the case of the little blue pill, it doesn't work on its own. The person ingesting it still needs to fantasize. They still need to have desire. They still need to have a willingness to engage in sex. And then and only then does the pill work to kind of keep erection going. So 
Viagra, how it works is by preventing the inhibition of erection. It doesn't actually create an erection on its own. So mindfulness, which is really about strengthening the brain-body connection, inducing arousal, helping the person to tune in to keep those arousal processes happening, makes a lot of sense to be used in conjunction with something like Viagra. Although, again, it's never been tested. I have used it clinically in my practice with individuals with erectile dysfunction with quite a bit of benefit, but would love to see someone doing a research study on this. Yeah, I think it'd be such a great study. And I think, you know, the anecdotal clinical evidence that you have suggests that there is a lot of value in taking some of these different approaches and potentially combining them. And it's through that sort of synergistic effect that you might have the best chance of success when it comes to treating some of these sexual difficulties. Right. So thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Lori. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work and get a copy of one of your books? or both of your books? <laughs> sure thing. So um, you can track our research and participate in our research at broadolab.com. You can learn about my books, about my clinical practice, and actually download for free all of our mindfulness meditations at lauriebrado.com. And then you can also find me on Twitter at Dr. Lori Brado. Well, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate having you here. And thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology, at sexandpsychology.com, or subscribe on your favorite platform, where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on social media for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter at Justin Miller and Instagram at Justin J. Miller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want, and Lori's book, Better Sex Through Mindfulness, and the new Better Sex Through Mindfulness workbook. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.